Today, the state of Oregon and the Trump administration reached a deal for federal agents to begin withdrawing from the city of Portland. The agents had been cracking down on protesters there for weeks, and they're expected to start leaving Portland on Thursday. In her announcement, Oregon's governor said the agents, quote, have acted as an occupying force and brought violence since they arrived four weeks ago. But while these federal law enforcement officers are starting to leave Portland, the Department of Justice announced that agents will actually be entering other cities over the objections of some local officials. And the experience of Portland's mayor, Ted Wheeler, offers a cautionary tale to those officials about the challenges of governing in this moment through a pandemic, a protest movement, and the arrival of federal agents. Mayor Ted Wheeler is one of a number of mayors in America who's walking this similar kind of political tightrope right now. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Wednesday, July 29th. Coming up on the show... How one mayor's attempt to appease his city broke down, and how that turned Portland into a national flashpoint. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, you'll make confident decisions faster than ever. And you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com to learn more. Ted Wheeler was elected mayor of Portland in 2016. He's a sixth-generation Oregonian. He had a wealthy upbringing. There's a town on the Oregon coast that's actually named after his great-grandfather. And he has degrees from Stanford, Columbia, and Harvard. He is, by all accounts, a very detail-oriented leader. He's analytical. He's sort of like a show-me-the-data kind of guy. Our colleague Miriam Gottfried has been in Portland covering the protests. And she says that Wheeler is a pretty moderate mayor for a city like Portland. I want to take a step back for a second. You and I are both from the Portland area. We went to rival high schools, as a matter of fact. We did. We're the two perfect people to be talking about this subject. (laughs) Exactly. You're there right now. Um, Can you talk about Portland for people who haven't been there before? Portland is known as a progressive city. You know, it was spoofed in the show Portlandia, as the city where young people go to retire, (laughs) among other things. Um, It's one of the whitest major cities in America. And it also has a reputation as a protest city. It does. It has a pretty dynamic activist community. Like the, you know, during the Occupy Wall Street movement in New York, the Occupy movement in Portland was really long and really intense. And when the protests against the killing of George Floyd swept the nation, thousands of demonstrators took to the streets in Portland. Wheeler was put in the position of a lot of local leaders. On the one side were protesters demanding changes to the city's policing tactics. But on the other side were the concerns of local business owners. So in the first couple of weeks of the protests, there was serious looting and millions of dollars of damage. Merchandise stolen, 
glass everywhere, you know, paintball shot, you know, those kinds of things. A lot of cities in America experienced that kind of looting in the early days after the protests began. And that's hurt the business community, which has already suffered a ton due to COVID-19. And so on the one hand, Ted Wheeler has these businesses that were his supporters when he was first elected, and they're mad because they're saying, how are you allowing these protests to keep going night after night without, you know, putting a stop to it? Portlanders saw Wheeler as especially responsible for putting a stop to it because under Portland's unique political system, the mayor gets to assign commissioners to oversee certain bureaus like fire, police, and transportation. And like most mayors before him, Wheeler had chosen himself to serve as the police commissioner. And so Wheeler's police department set out to quell the unrest. The police, you know, used tear gas early on on protesters and, you know, took measures that some people thought were too aggressive. These aggressive tactics angered protesters even further. An organization called Don't Shoot Portland filed a class action lawsuit against the city for its use of tear gas on demonstrators. And a federal judge issued a temporary restraining order restricting the police's use of tear gas. That was sort of maybe the beginning of having to walk this political tightrope. On the one hand, you have these business owners who really want the protests to end because they want to try to get back to business. And they're angry that Ted Wheeler has let the protests go on for so long. And then on the other hand, you have the more progressive wing of Portlanders who say these protests are right. Aggressive policing of these protests is uncalled for and is wrong. And you're the police commissioner and we hold you accountable for it. A couple of weeks later, Wheeler made a concession to the protesters. For years, Wheeler had resisted pressure to make cuts to the police budget. But as the protests heated up, so did that pressure. Not just from the activists, but also from the city's only Black council member, Joanne Hardesty, a longtime advocate for police reform. Joanne Hardesty sort of saw this as her moment to finally get her cuts across. And basically within the space of two weeks, she was able to convince Mayor Wheeler and her city council colleagues that this was the right thing to do, that the city needed to act, the city needed to be bold and take a step in the direction that the protesters were advocating. Portland voted to redirect more than $15 million of its police budget to other public services. I think most people understood that that was sort of the direction things were going. And I think some people were hoping, okay, maybe that will be enough to get protesters to stop protesting. They got like a big concession here and, you know, maybe that will be enough. This eased some tensions in the city. The protests got smaller. But it wasn't enough for everyone. Some protesters had called for $50 million in cuts, and a small contingent of activists kept protesting every night in downtown Portland. The more hardcore contingent stayed there, and they lit fires in the park. There were a couple statues where they lit fires at the base. They graffitied on the federal courthouse building. They would try to block off the streets. They would shine laser pointers at police. Those kinds of things. That was basically the type of activity that they were engaged in. And how was the mayor responding to this more aggressive component of the protests that was lingering? He 
told me it has to end. He said these nightly protests have got to end. He said they're distracting from our task, which is to figure out how to really improve the way we keep Black people safe in our city. What was he actually doing, though, to try to get it to end? They were kind of just letting it de-escalate. And he, you know, he had done that in the full knowledge of Portland. He knows how people have historically behaved in protests in the city. But by letting it continue in some form, you open the door for these federal agents to arrive. Coming up, the federal agents arrive. Welcome back. The part of downtown Portland where the most hardcore protests took place is in front of a federal courthouse. And so as the protesters lit fires and sprayed graffiti, it caught the attention of the Trump administration. Earlier this month, the administration decided to send in federal agents to protect the courthouse. So Trump basically said we need to go in and protect these buildings and statues because these mayors are not doing that right now. They're not protecting our property. In a tweet, the president said that Portland's leadership had, quote, lost control of the anarchists and agitators. Mayor Wheeler, who'd been trying to find common ground between the protesters and the business community, now had the federal government to deal with, too. He tried at first to kind of continue to toe a line, a very fine line. He didn't initially say, go home, leave my city. He said, look, it's okay with me if you want to protect your federal buildings. I can't stop you from doing that. But don't come out into the streets and interact with the citizens of Portland. And I think a lot of people saw that as being a kind of a tepid response. And I think his response led some people to believe that he wasn't fully against the Fed's presence at that time. But then something changed Wheeler's political calculus and the protests themselves. Witnesses reported seeing camouflaged federal agents putting protesters into unmarked vans for questioning. Mystery federal officers in unmarked military-style uniforms. Growing calls for these unmarked officers to leave Portland. Claiming they're seizing citizens without probable cause. And those reports you know, basically like lit a fire under the protests and all these mainstream protesters, let's call them that, you know, maybe the people who were in the initial marches, the thousands of Portlanders who marched in the early days, came back out into the streets because they said, we need to go out and show our solidarity with the movement, with the cause again. We can't be sitting at home while federal agents are putting our citizens you know, into unmarked cars. This is what democracy looks like! So the protests that had been, you know, Black Lives Matter protests took on a new dimension. I don't think the Black Lives Matter element fully went away, but you took on this dimension of going back to protesting Trump, which, you know, Portlanders have been doing. You went to one of these protests after the federal agents arrived. How did that compare to the smaller, hardcore protests that were happening earlier? 
you saw a totally different element of people out on the streets. There were groups of moms and dads who had literally identified themselves as that. There was the wall of moms, which has gotten a lot of coverage. They were a bunch of moms wearing yellow shirts, linking arms. Many of them were wearing helmets or gas masks. And they had signs, you know, saying, feds go home and stuff to that effect. I I recall one sign that one of the moms was holding that said something like, if you tear gas me, you're grounded. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They had very mom-like signs. And you had dads holding leaf blowers, a line of dads holding leaf blowers. And I think what they were trying to do by coming out was showing it's not a fringe element in Portland out here. This is mainstream Portland. So all across TV news, you were seeing the Portland protests again. And I think a lot of people saw this as an unprecedented event. Outrage over the federal presence in Portland energized protesters in other cities, too. Demonstrators turned out in Seattle, Austin, and Los Angeles to tell the feds to leave Portland. And their presence also energized someone else, Mayor Wheeler. I think Wheeler had to realize that he had to be much more decisive. He had to really seize the emotional moment and say, no, go home, and kind of telling protesters, I'm with you, I support you against these federal agents. And he finally did do that. Last week, Mayor Wheeler joined the protests. I want to thank the thousands of you who have come out to He showed up at a protest and gave a speech, and he was booed, and people called for his resignation as he was speaking because, you know, there's still a lot of resentment over how he's handled the police. It is an unconstitutional occupation. The tactics that have been used by our federal officers are abhorrent. And then after he finished speaking and kind of telling protesters, I'm with you, I support you against these federal agents... He went and stood right at the fence near the courthouse, and he was tear-gassed alongside the protesters. (laughs) How has the federal presence changed the calculus for Wheeler? It makes it very hard for him to rein in the protests for fear that he will be aligned with what the federal agents and Trump are doing, and as a, you know, a liberal city, that would be like political suicide to align yourself with President Trump. Wheeler's not alone. President Trump has since deployed agents to other cities as well to quell what he says is a wave of crime sparked by the protests. His critics say the move is politically motivated and that it's meant to cast his administration as a law and order government and betray chaos in Democrat-run cities. It seems like local leaders are in this really tough situation where they've got the federal government sort of knocking at their door, but then they also have these local factions that are also in disagreement. Yes, I would say so. Even within a fairly progressive city, there can be so many divisions. You know, the center or the moderate voices in the city are sort of like their version of the right wing. (laughs) And the mayors are all... Democrats in these cities, but they're still caught between, you know, the more moderate folks and the 
really super left-wing folks. And then into that is thrown the arrival of these federal agents. And, you know, of course, if you're a Democratic mayor or a mayor of a liberal city, you can't appear to be siding with these Trump-deployed agents. So you have to be against them. But then that in turn galvanizes the protests again. And the protests have you know, escalated since the arrival of the federal agents, not de-escalated. Today, the Justice Department announced that federal agents will move into Cleveland, Detroit, and Milwaukee in the coming weeks to help local officials combat violent crime. In Portland, agents won't be leaving right away. The acting head of the Justice Department said the agents will fully leave only after the department is confident that federal buildings will no longer be attacked. That's all for today, Wednesday, July 29th. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and The Wall Street Journal. Special thanks to Alejandro Lazo for his reporting on this story. Archival courtesy of Carissa Desmond via Storyful and Alejandro Lazo. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow.